Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. like me, I still like to turn there. Luke 4 and 4. We'll also be turning to 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we'll be turning to 2 Timothy chapter number chapter number 3, amen, today. We will not be providing every verse on the screen this morning. We are starting a uh, kind of a, a Bethel discipleship series here uh, today and for the next several weeks on Sunday morning. Uh, that's going to deal with some tenets, if you will, of the faith, doctrines of the faith, just good, basic, foundational, building block uh, type things. This morning, we're going to talk about the Word of God, but we're uh, over the course of this, we'll talk about faith and repentance and baptism and Holy Ghost infilling. We'll talk about the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk about lifestyle. We'll talk about the oneness of God. We'll, we'll talk about a just a whole swath, if you will, of stuff over the next several weeks. I say weeks, months, probably be three or so months before we can uh, get through this. But just going back to some of the foundational truths of the word of the Lord, things that, in my opinion, year by year, time by time, you need to go back to touch, handle, look at, listen to all over again, uh, just to an internalize them in our own spirit. Not just for those that have been in church for a while to rehearse it in our ears, but for those that may uh, just started coming for them maybe to hear something for the first time. And so that is just as vitally as important as anything. Is everybody at Luke 4-4? Amen. At Luke 4-4, we'll start there today. This coming Wednesday, the month of January, typically here at First Apostolic Church, is a time of rededication and consecrating our lives you know, to the Lord for a new year. And so uh, Wednesday, we're going to have a, a communion service here. We'll uh, teach uh, some of the elements concerning this, and then we will participate in that. Uh, we also have the 13th through the 17th of January will be our annual prayer revival every night here at the church prayer. Doors are open from 730 to 830. We'll focus prayer each night. Prayer guides will be in the foyer. Uh, I challenge you, implore you, come out, be a part of that time of prayer. Also during that time, we have media fast meaning we disengage from our electronic devices and TV and all these other things that uh, can steal our attention, so to speak. And so we just try to hone our attention upon God and his word uh, for that week and just uh, get introspective, you know, about our own lives and hit the reset button, so to speak. Uh, anybody had one of those modern-day computers lock up on you? You got to hit the reset button, alt, control, delete, restart, right? And so we try to do that in the month of January. We're trying to look for that reset button, push that thing, and, and get a restart, a fresh start uh, on everything. Luke chapter number 4, Luke 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says this. This is, uh, to give you the setting, this is the temptation of the wilderness, of, of Jesus being, quote, unquote, tested in the wilderness by Satan. And uh, he answered Satan, the Bible says, and Jesus answered him saying, it is written. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Second Timothy chapter number two and verse number 15. Paul writing to Timothy, giving him instruction and training, uh, being a pastor. Uh, he's going to speak to him. And he says in second Timothy two and verse number 15, study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. Flip over one chapter to chapter number three of Second Timothy, verses 16 through 17. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Now, I was going to try to get fancy for you. I started on a PowerPoint last night. I got about 30 slides in, and we was only like halfway through the lesson. 
That's one indication about how many verses are in here. All right. And so I just said, you know what? I just really don't know if this is sustainable for me. And so I quit. And so we're just going to go, amen, with the word and my voice. It's going to try to give you a visual. Amen. So you're going to have to use your imagination, which they say is the biggest nation in the world. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you today. I'm so thankful, Lord God, that we can center our lives, Lord, again in this new year. God, around your word, I pray, oh God, let that word, I pray, God, stand, Lord, up in this place today, Lord, and God, help us, Lord, to give account, Lord Jesus, unto it. God, allow it, Lord Jesus, to have free course in our lives, God, and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. How many brought, even brought their Bible today? Do we still have any Bible bringers? I've not even noticed in a while. There's a few of you, all you other cheaters out there looking at the screen. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, the Word of the Lord, the Bible, an amazing book. How many, and I've just kind of taken poll this morning. I'm not here trying to uh, throw anybody under the bus. But how many attempt to read the Bible through in a year, like each year? Some hands going up, and that's, that, that's tremendous. And if you've never tried that, I challenge you to try to do that. There's all kinds of programs out there online that's accessible at your fingertips in order to accomplish that and get that done. But this is an amazing book, folks. I don't know how often that you have read through it and just be wowed by it just one more time or uh, read something that you read before and a different light of understanding uh, comes to you that you didn't have before. This is a very an amazing, amazing book. But this just isn't. Let me say this. This isn't just another piece of literature. This is not like some classic of Moby Dick or or something of that matter. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. Uh, it, it does not have a parallel. It stands alone by itself. It's really not anything that can compare to it. And for generations it has been, uh, and we've mentioned it before in this place, it has been a bestseller time and time and time again. It has been a bestseller. You can almost, I say almost, I'll give a little room for uh, the possibility of it not happening, but you can almost walk almost into any home in America and there's going to be a Bible somewhere. If it's not on the coffee table or on a shelf or with some family heirloom somewhere, there is going to be a Bible. And if I could just read a few different uh, opinions of the Scripture from what we might consider notable people or people of high regard and respect, the first president of our United States, George Washington, he said this concerning the Bible or the Scripture. He said, it is impossible to righteously govern the world without God and the Bible. The first president, the, the very spearhead of the governing of our nation says without God and the Bible, it would just not be possible to even govern our world. Another president of the United States by the name of Abraham Lincoln, he said this. He said, I believe that the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through that book. Amen. Another individual that we have great esteem and regard for. Daniel Webster, who was an American spokesman and legislator of years gone by, he said this. He said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, he said, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. And if we and our prosperity neglect its instructions and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury our glory in profound obscurity. In other words, he said, if we stay with this, if we stay with this, we'll do better as a nation. Then if we would disengage from that, we're going to find ourselves in turmoil. We're going to find ourselves in catastrophe. And we have seen that. Uh, over the years, hints of catastrophe because there, as a country, we have steered away from the Word of God or ignored some of the principles of the Word of God. Another president, Andrew Jackson, said that book, speaking of this, the Bible, he says, that book, sir, is the rock on which our republic stands. Ronald Reagan, even a more recent, perhaps, uh, president, said, indeed, it is an indisputable fact that all 
the complex and horrendous questions confronting us at home and worldwide have their answer in that single book. And I tell you today, not just for our world, and it might sound cliche, but I dare to say that you can find many of your life's questions answers right within the covers of this word of God. It may not be a detailed circumstance like yours is, just line upon line, but you'll be able to find principles in God's word that can help give you direction in times that you have no direction at all. And so we ask ourselves a question, then you tell me, Brother McGee, because all these various uh, presidents have given their endorsement concerning the Bible and people that were legislators and spokespeople, then no doubt that gives credence to the Bible. That's the reason why the Bible or the Word of God is important. No, not at all. I, I wouldn't come to you today and give you a list of six quotes from six notable people and say, now that's the reason why we follow the Bible. That's not, the, that's not the case whatsoever. Uh, we, the Bible doesn't get its value uh, from just the praise of men or from the praise of notable men. The Bible is important. And this, 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 this folks, today is, is just going to be very simple. The Bible is important because it is the absolute word of God. It's the word of God. I'm not talking about a title. That's the word of God. I'm talking about it is the word of your God. These are the words of your God. It was absolutely physically pinned by men that were inspired or moved upon by the Holy Ghost. But every word that they pinned was a word that was inspired under God's direction God's divine power, his anointing. And so the word of God is important today because it is his thought, his purpose, his will. Amen. Illustrated in black and white upon pages, if you will, for you and I, uh, his people, people that are not his people, anybody that would be interested in what God thinks, amen, about life, about humanity, about government, about controversial issues. In reality, if you want to know the thoughts of God, then read the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20 through 21, and I see already I'm going to have to be a little bit more diligent to pick them up and put them down today. The Bible says, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. That's important. This is not the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We'll look at that a little bit more later. And then our scripture said in already this morning, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That, again, is the reason why this book, one of the reasons why this book is vitally important. It is, this is something that uh, modern-day society don't want to embrace very much because they don't believe that there's any absolutes. Everything is up for uh, discussion. Everything is up for opinion. Uh, but this right here is absolute truth. It is reliable. It is dependable. We, I have total confidence and I trust the word of the Lord. And there's scripture basis for this. Psalms 119, verse 160. The psalmist says, Thy word is true from the beginning." And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The Bible says in the New Testament of 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 13. I'm kind of diving in the middle here of this verse. But it says, when you received the word of God which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, though men penned it. You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectively worketh also in you that belief. So he says, whenever you received what we spoke to you, uh, it was not as the will of man, but as the will of God, the word of God. And so likewise, it should be today. Uh, I, I don't want to be a dead horse, but even whenever teachers and preachers come and stand before a pulpit and they teach and preach the word of the Lord, it's so very easy to hear what that man is saying and to accept what he is saying is what he is saying. Rather than to accept what scripture is saying, what he is, because many times, I hope they are, I hope the preachers and teachers are preaching and teaching this. What they are saying is what the Bible says, is what the word of God says for your life. 
And sometimes we get our, our feathers ruffled because Pastor McGee told me this. But when this is the foundation, Pastor McGee didn't tell you. The Word of God told you. I just gave volume to what's on pages of Scripture. The Word of God told you. And so our lives really as Christians, amen, are aligned a whole lot better whenever we receive what is being said, especially when it is the Word of God. That's God's Word speaking into my life. And if it pricks us, then I need to take that. That's God's Word and will speaking into my life. Or if it encourages us and it's fanning the flame of encouragement, that's God's Word that's saying that to me in my life. And so God's Bible, this Word is important. It is eternal. This is an eternal Word. It has lasted, folks, already for many generations. It's an eternal word. It's an unchanging word. I'm just going to share a few scriptures. They won't be up there with you this morning concerning the the eternal, unchanging word of God. Psalms 119 and verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. He says in Isaiah 40 and verse 8, some of you know some of these verses, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Here's the awesome thing about the word, it being an eternal word. It's because it's tied to an eternal God. It's tied to an eternal God. He's alive and well and lives forevermore. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said this. He said, heaven and earth, he said, said, shall pass away. He said, but my words shall not pass away. In other words, there are things of creation that shall pass and they will pass, of course, at God's design. He said, but my word shall not pass away. First Peter 1, 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And so the Bible is important because it's a eternal, unchanging, everlasting word that's tethered and tied to an eternal, unchanging God. It's important to us because it, in many respects, and we would not have time to hit them all, but it gives us instructions for various issues of our everyday lives. The Bible is important for us as humanity because what it tells us is that mankind is in need of a Savior. The Bible tells us that. It tells us that we cannot save ourselves. It tells us we are in need of a Savior. The Bible says it'll be there before you, Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, alluding to Adam in the Garden of Eden, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. So it takes all of humanity, of time present of Adam even forth, puts them all in the same bucket and boat that death has passed upon all men for all have sinned. We know in Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? And so with that, we understand then that, that we need something to alter what has taken place in our lives, our Adamic nature, our Adam-like nature. The Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us concerning the need of a Savior And it tells us then the love that God has for all humanity. Anybody know John 3, 16? For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So here we have a humanity that's in need of a Savior, and we have a God that's loving humanity. The Bible is important, amen, for some of those very things. Not only that, the Bible is important because it provides and shows us and tells us a plan for saving the world that's in need of a Savior but has a loving God that is predisposed toward love, toward them. John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he's speaking to Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I need to know that. Bible's important. I need to know that I can't enter into the kingdom of God unless I'm born of water and of spirit, baptism, of water, baptism, of spirit. I need to know that. It's important because the Bible tells us not just how to be saved, but how to live after we're saved. For that matter, the epistles that are in the New Testament, much is telling us how to live after we have come to know the Lord. 
how to walk, how to talk, how to order our lives. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Someone say amen. This is more, should be more than a book on the counter or shelf. It needs to be internalized. Huh? Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We need to get the word of the Lord in us, mind and heart. Because it's dangerous just to have a knowledge of the word and not let the word get in the heart. A lot of people with a knowledge of the word, a lot of good people with a knowledge of the word, but they're not allowed that 18-inch journey from mind to heart. Because it's whenever it really gets in the heart that there is change and it affects change in the life of the individual. This morning, if I can just share just a few things, some facts about the word of God. All right. These are just little factoids here. Uh, The Bible comes, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblios, which means book, means book. It was the name given to the pulp, the actual pulp uh, that that that. they would make the papers out of for the ancient books that were written on. It was the actual pulp, and so it meant book. The plural form of that is Biblia. Biblia, when it came about 2nd century A.D., they started using the word Biblia to describe all of the holy scriptures of the word of the Lord. Uh, What language? We'll do it more like this because I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. You can holler out to me. Does anybody know what language that the Old Testament was primarily written in? Hebrew, looky right there. Amen, brother. Pat Dykus on the front pew. What about the New Testament? Greek, I heard Greek. Also in the Old Testament, there's a little spatterings of Aramaic uh, that we find in Daniel and some of the other places. Uh, The Bible, whenever it was written, was not written in chapter and verses. As you have it today. You didn't have chapter and verse wasn't until 1250 A.D. that Cardinal Hugo divided the Bible into chapters. Didn't have that. Matter of fact, if you ever read through your Bible and read and almost felt like that whenever they broke it and you went on to the next chapter and it seemed like, man, that kind of goes with that. Well, there's good reason for that because it does. Uh, it was divided into chapters later by an individual. Amen. The first print printing press that was invented. Remember the old printing press, 1450? They invented the print press. Do you know what the first book was to go on the printing press? The Bible. It was the first book ever created upon the printing press. Uh, before that time, of course, they, you had all the scribes. It's copying it by hand. How many is ready to be employed as a scribe? To write all these verses and scriptures and words. Amen. Also, in 1551 A.D., the Bible was divided then. They already divided it into chapters, then it was further divided into verses by Sir Robert Stevens. Our Bible, we typically use the King James Version, but our Bible is divided, of course, how many books? 66. You guys are awesome. How many chapters? Say, who not bunch? <laughs> 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 31,214 verses in the Bible, made up of 773,746 words. Do you want the letters? 3,566,480 letters that are in the Bible. What is the longest chapter in the Bible? They're saying, I know which one that is because whenever I got there, I was like, <laughs> might have to break this reading up the morning and evening. Anybody know what the shortest chapter is? Huh? It's in Psalms 2, Psalms 117, the shortest chapter. Longest verse, Esther 8 and verse number 9. The shortest verse, surely someone get this one. Jesus wept. Do you know where it's found? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. The middle verse of the Bible. You're close. Psalms 118, 8, which is amazing, honestly. But they divided it, I understand. But it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man is the center verse of the Bible. There are roughly 1,250 promises that are in the Bible given to given uh, various time periods. And about 500 of those are promises that as believers you can claim. 
So not every promise in the book is yours. All right? Uh, <laughs> although that's a great song we want to sing, but not every promise in the book is yours. The Bible was penned by 40 different dissimilar men. Think about that for a moment. 40 different dissimilar men and written on three different continents. Asia, Africa, Europe, and it was over a span of 1,500, you know, I'm doing that because who can be exact really, over 1,500 years, 40 different people, 1,500 years, three different continents, and yet I can read stuff in the law of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, I can read stuff there, and it makes sense whenever I read then some of the other scriptures and they correlate, and yet it might be a different author, Writer, might I say, different writer on a different continent at a different time period that wrote. And yet there's this harmony, this intricate harmony between what is written. For instance, Moses, of course, he was the prince of Egypt. He was educated by the Egyptians, Egyptians universities. He is one of the writers. Then you have a Peter, Peter, who is a fisherman. I mean, what more diversity can you have? Someone that is in the courts of a pomp or prestige, and then you have a fisherman. You have Amos and David who start much of their life as humble herdsmen, people that have herds. Joshua, he's a military captain, and yet he wrote some of it. Luke is a physician, right? Solomon's a king. Matthew is an IRS tax collector. Now, he's a tax collector. Paul's a teacher, a rabbi. You have all these men putting pen to paper, and yet there's this harmony between them spanning the ages. And today, if you would take 40 different people, Ray, if you were to take 40 different people on three different continents, lived in different generations, and had them to write a book, that would be an awful God mess. But this isn't because they were all inspired by the same spirit. It was all inspired by the same. When Moses, as a prince, put his pen to page, the same spirit that told him what to write is what told Matthew, the tax collector, to put pen to page. And so we get harmony. Again, what makes this important is that it wasn't the praise or, or if you will, the establishment of men that made this. It was the establishment of God. This is still yet the word of God. And all the different places that this thing was written. Moses Writing a lot of his writing in the wilderness. Jeremiah's in a dungeon. Huh? Paul does a lot of his writing from prison. We tell that the, the prisoners that often that a good majority of the New Testament scriptures are written in prison so they can do something while they're in the cell too. Daniel wrote from the hillside, from the palace. Luke wrote while he traveled around many times. Right? With Paul, he's traveling, he's writing. John, the book of Revelation and others, he wrote while he was in exile on the isle called Patmos. Huh? David, through a lot of his military campaigns, no doubt is putting pen to page, instructed by the Lord to write. And so we have all these diversity of people. Social economic status is all over the map. Amen. Their education is different. Their life experiences are different. And yet there is that unity. There is that harmony. There is that agreement. And it gives us the word of the Lord. And so when we get, come to the word of the Lord, as it is you know, put together in the King James Version Bible, we begin to go through the first five books of the Bible are known as the books of Moses, or what is known as the law, might even be spoken as the Torah uh, for the Jews. It is those, those first five books of the Bible. Whenever you read through the Bible, and this is important if you've never realized this, when you read through the Bible, the Bible is not necessarily in every chapter by chapter in chronological order. As a matter of fact, whenever you get to like Psalms, you can take Psalms and basically all the other books all the way to Malachi and take them and tuck them back into the other books that are previously before it for chronology because their stories that are being told are a different aspect of another story that's already been told or something that else that is going on during that same time period. And so you have the first five books of the Bible. Then you have 12 books of history from Joshua to Esther. You have a lot of history of the, the nation of Israel. Then you have like Job through the Song of Solomon, five books of poetry, all that poetic language. And many of you may find yourself liking to read the Psalms in some of those books because they have that kind of this ebb and flow uh, to them. Then the next five books are the major prophets from Isaiah to Daniel and then the rest of them 
I don't want to say that despairingly, but or, or in, in condescending. Hosea to Malachi are the minor prophets. Minor, not because they're less important. Okay, it's not major or minor. These are the big guys. These are the little guys. No, uh, minor prophets. Their books are usually more quaint, uh, less, less, less chapters, words, and verses. But they still had a big impact upon the nation of Israel during their years of exile. They are still important. Now they are the ones that whenever we say turn to, you're opening up to the glossary in the beginning and say that's on page 523 <laughs> because you have a hard time finding some of them and some of that is because they are uh, so so small but then you go to the new testament how many books are in the old testament boom brother malone he didn't know he's doing this today but he's been sharpening up on it in the new testament how many 27, that makes a total for 66. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, what we call the Gospels, the life, if you will, of Christ Jesus is unfolded in the Gospels. And it's called the harmony of the Gospels. You note as you read the Gospels that what you read in Matthew might read a similar story in Luke or in John. Many times some of them report on the same thing. They have a different perspective. They're writing to a different audience than what the other was writing to. But you put them together and you get this collective story of the life of Jesus Christ. And then you come to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which is in reality a book of history. Amen. Of what the Lord did through the apostles, uh, their time upon the earth. And then, as I already mentioned, you have the epistles or the letters that are written from Romans to Jude. 21 books, 21 epistles written, some of them to churches, some of them to individuals. As I said earlier, like First and Second Timothy and Titus written to pastors. Sometimes those are called the pastoral epistles because it's written to the pastors. Amen. Uh, and, and with that, you... You, the ending of many of the epistles is that, or even the, the introduction or addresses, that grace and, and, and peace would be with them. You read that oftentimes. But whenever you read like First and Second Timothy and Titus, they add in grace and peace and mercy. Because God knew that when it's written to pastors, they needed some mercy in their life. I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen. And so... Uh, anyway, uh, prophecy, the book of Revelation that some people try to steer from, but we went through it, right, for however, 35 weeks. But uh, the book of prophecy, that is the word of God. Here's the thing. God's word does not need, does not need, doesn't mind if it's there, but it doesn't need external support in order to prove that it's true. The word of God is self-confirming. The word of God is self-revelatory. It really is. Matter of fact, it was proven to me again just this prison trip. We, I went into prison, men and women. Uh, I went into prison on, on, I don't remember, Friday night, Saturday morning, I was in the men's prison, and then Saturday night, I was in women's prison. I was in prison Saturday morning with the men. It was their last sessions. What we had for there, someone was going to speak. I was not on the docket to speak. For them, they were going to have a speaker, and then our second session was going to be the baptisms that people had signed up for. And so we went in there, and we was going to have service, and Brother Chester comes, and, and he says, Brother McGee, he says, the, the leadership of this prison uh, want us to make sure that these guys, when they go to get baptized, that they know exactly what they signed up for, the reason why they're doing what they're doing, all that, that there's no questions. He says, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind doing a Bible study on baptism. Folks, I walked in there with my Bible. This is another reason why you need to have the word in your heart. So I sat down while the speaker was speaking, and I began to scroll out some notes. Here's my notes right here for my Bible study on baptism. I started going to pages. And another thing, if you, the reason why you see me carry around this book with tape on the binding is because I've used this long enough. I can turn to an area, and I know where a verse is because I've just grown familiar with this particular Bible. If I get another one, it might be on the left side rather than on the right. And so I just started pinning stuff together. And so they, the speaker spoke, and then we had a charge. We gave towels to these men, and we gave a, there was quite a bit. We do a big ceremony, man. We make a big deal out of it. And we did all this stuff. And so then Brother Chester invited me up there to do a Bible study on baptism, particularly emphasizing it being in Jesus' name. And so I did a Bible study on baptism, and uh, after I was done, and Brother Chester told me this later, he says, I don't know if you realize or not. He said, but whenever you finish your Bible study on baptism, he said, we had 10 other inmates sign up for baptism. And there was a man that came to me. I'm, I'm still on point here. God's word is self 
self-revealing or self-revelatory. He came up to me and he said, Pastor McGee, thank you so much for teaching what you taught today. He said, because 19 years ago, he said, from reading my Bible, he said, I got the revelation that baptism was in Jesus' name and not the titles. And he said, I was baptized in Jesus' name and taught 18 other inmates about baptism in Jesus' name, and they were baptized in Jesus' name. Now listen, they have every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes through prison. Dippin' Dots ice cream concerning religion that comes through the prison. All right? But that man didn't have to have instruction per se from another man, but through hunger for God, reading, not the word of man, but the word of God, come to the revelation that he needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. That, to me alone, causes the word of God just to stand on its own. It don't need propped up. It doesn't need help. If you have a hunger for him, it is self-revealing. And it was for that man, and so I rejoiced with him. And he said, you need to write all that down in the outline so we can give it out to these prisons and stuff. I said, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to you on that one, buddy. Amen. But uh, so thankful, so thankful. So God's word stands alone. There are outside. That doesn't mean there isn't outside uh, things that help support the word of the Lord. There is archaeological evidence that helps support the word of the Lord. If I may, from one archaeologist, Dr. Bryant C. Wood, he says this. In every instance where the findings of archaeology pertain to the biblical record, he said the archaeological evidence confirms sometimes in detailed fashion, the historical accuracy of Scripture. In those instances, he says, where the archaeological findings seem to be at variance with the Bible, he says the discrepancy lies with the archaeological evidence. For instance, he says, improper interpretation on our part, lack of evidence on our part, he says, but not with the Bible. Another man, A.N. Sherwin-White, says this. He's, he's, a, he's a historian in Oxford. He's following concerning the book of Acts. He says, for Acts, he said, the confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. Any attempt, he says, to reject its basic history, even in matters of detail, must now appear absurd. He says, because it's so point on concerning all of its history according with even the world and the geography, if you will, of what Peter, amen, and Paul in their travels. And so that there's archaeological evidence. There is prophetic evidence. Huh? Prophetic evidence. Jesus Christ's birth alone. It's not a story. It's not a fable. His birth alone, more than 300 Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah, all right, were fulfilled in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, we have prophecies in our world, things that have materialized in our modern world that have already been written aforetime in the Word of God. And we'll see more of those develop as we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is prophetic utterance of Scripture that also, as we see it come to pass, amen, does nothing more but, but underline and uphold the word of the Lord. It don't need it, but it's there. It happens. There are other external evidences that, that, that again, just reiterate that the word of God stands forever. Let's go on. Let's talk about the fact of the word of the Lord being divinely inspired. Again, our scripture setting, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given. Everybody say, by inspiration. By inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, or correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word inspiration, it's given by inspiration. The word inspiration comes from a Greek word which literally means God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. Has that connotation that it imparts life and it does. Has, has that same connotation as when God breathed into man, Adam, and he became a living soul. It imparts life. It imparts life. And it has influence upon those that scribed or wrote the word of God. That inspiration came upon them and they pinned whatever it was, quill to paper, declared them the thoughts of God. 
the will of God, the purpose of God, the desire of God. And it was all God breathed. Again, for 2 Peter 1.20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Again, because holy men of God spake as they were moved. Everybody say moved. Moved by the Holy Ghost. The word moved comes from a Greek word which literally means it bore them along. It carried them. It moved them out of position. It drove them. It impelled them. These men, the Holy Ghost, came upon them and bore them along, carried them on how to write, what to write, what to say, how to say it, the wisdom and the instruction of God. If you will, uh, God was dictating and they were taking the notes. Amen. They were taking the notes. These are the words of the Lord. Now, the word of the Lord, though, there's a lot of spiritual richness here that's in the word of the Lord. We've already said it, but reiterate that the word of God is a source of power. It's a source of power. Matter of fact, it's not a dead book. It's a living book, but it's a source of power. In our scripture said, and we read of Luke 4, 4, and we read of the testing of Jesus in the wilderness, the three times that the enemy came to him, you know, wanting him to, to, to take him up to a pinnacle and show him all the kingdoms of the world and that he would give those things to him or turn the stones into bread, the different things in which he had tested the Lord. And every time that Jesus was tested of the enemy in the wilderness, he used the word. He used the word as, as his weapon. He used the word uh, as his weapon to defeat the enemy those three times. He would say, for it is written. It is written that thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Right? For it is written. And in those three instances, when the enemy came to him, the Lord would retort, for it is written. And he won the victory, if you will, in the wilderness over the enemy. Matthew 4, verses 10 through 11, speak again of that scenario in the wilderness, just like Luke 4 does. But here's verse 10 of Matthew 4. Then saith Jesus unto him, to Satan, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy serve, thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. Behold, angels came and ministered unto him. This is a source of power. Now, here's the thing. Not every day, do you, maybe some of you do keep a Bible in your pocket, but not every time, wherever you're at, do you have the ability to say, One moment. Oh, oh yeah, Lamentations 2 6. Blah, 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 blah. Again, that is why we need to have the word dwell in us. Amen? Because whenever you have attacks, things that crop up in your life, you might not necessarily have a Bible in your hand to be able to turn to, but you have something that you've committed to memory and to heart that you can bring that up in that moment. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You don't have to look it up. Because you've embedded in your heart and your mind. You say, well, Brother McGee, Brother McGee, nothing. We have digital Bibles. It's on our phone. Yes, it does. But, folks, it, it, it is not something that's far reaching, far out there to think that someday we may lose our privileges of having the word of the Lord like other countries that have no privilege of having the word of the Lord. And so get it hid in your heart. Get it hid in your mind because it is a source of power. If Jesus used it to overcome the adversary in the wilderness, you can use it. To overcome your adversary or various other things that you're up against in your life. It is a source of great spiritual benefit as well. Amen. Great spiritual benefit to our lives. It helps with our spiritual development. If you will, look at Psalms 19 verses 7 through 11. I don't know how. It's already. My goodness. Psalms 19 verses 7 through 11. This is going to be a long series, folks. <laughs> Might be take half a year to get through this. <clears throat> Well, I just don't want to stand up here and just read scripture to y'all. <laughs> the law of the Lord is perfect. Look, this is, this is when it speaks of the law of the Lord or the testimony of the Lord or the statue of the Lord. It's all talking about the same thing. All right. This is where it all flows from. The law of the Lord is perfect. Look, look at the, the power, the benefit of the word of the Lord converting the soul. New Testament talks about we were begotten by the gospel. Converting the so. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Benefit. Making wise the simple. Mm -hmm. The statutes of the Lord are right. Benefit. Rejoicing the heart. Pshh. 
You know how many times, Brother Terry, whenever I've been sometimes down and just grab me good old Psalms and start reading some of David's, my soul was overwhelmed within me. Woo. You know what that does for me? It lifts my soul. It rejoices my heart. The, the, the Rejoicing the heart, the command of the Lord is pure. Here's the benefit, enlightening the eyes. Where the Lord will bring enlightenment or understanding to some things. There's some things in my life sometimes that I didn't quite even understand or I didn't get, but the word of the Lord would shine some light on my circumstances. You all remember not that long ago when we were going through the thing and the power of, of, of uh, POA, power of attorney, and all that mess with Phil. And I told you, I was praying one day in my office reading the book of Nahum, and from the scriptures gave me instruction about what to do concerning the scriptures. I mean, almost verbatim. Take thy stand in court. And I'm like, what? It brought, it brought enlightenment to the eyes. Something that I was not for sure about. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Look at these benefits. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Look at this. It's sweeter. Grandpa Weisenberg, you say that a lot. It's sweeter also than honey from the honeycomb. He said it like honey in the rock. That's scripture. Amen. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. It's good for reproof, isn't it? Instruction, correction, huh? Amen. Thy servant is warned in keeping of them. There is a great reward. Woo! I like prizes. He says in keeping them, what? The statutes, the judgments, huh? The testimony of the Lord. In keeping it, there is a great reward. In the New Testament, I believe it was in the Gospels, it doesn't even speak of a reward that is just now, but a reward for the hereafter. But for both, for now and then. There is a reward in the word of the Lord. The word of God is a source of joy. Just let me get through a few more and I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> Psalms 119. You can read these verses. Some of them are, are overlapping or redundant. Verses 47, 97, 162. You guys don't have it. Don't fret. And I will, the psalmist says, delight myself in thy commandments. What? I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false against thy name. I will delight. Because again, this isn't just things that are spoken. They're spoken in such a way as though they're keeping us from things, but in the same nature, they are protecting us from things. Right? So rather than seeing it as a do not, it's saving me from. Some things. He says, so I delight in thy, thy commandments, which I love. Another place says, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Another place says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. He says, whenever I, man, I read your word, it's like I've overcome in, in, in a battle and I've got to take back some of the gold and the silver and the livestock with me. It's like whenever I read your word. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16 says, Thy words were found and I did eat them. It's giving us a little word picture here. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. It is a source of peace. Psalms 119 and verse 165. Great peace had they which loved thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Or in other words, nothing shall make them stumble. Because they know your law. Because whenever you know this, then you know anything that isn't this isn't truth. Hmm? So you won't be taken by every wind of doctrine when you know the doctrine of God's word. Right? The more that we acquaint ourselves. Stand with me today. It's telling me it's red. That means the time is switched to red. Which they say is stop. I wonder if there's any way we could change like that to yellow and then turn red. Like a stop sign you know, or a stoplight. Maybe I can yield and then stop. <laughs> we'll look into that. <laughs> That's the word of God. Folks, I by no means uh, finished with this lesson. But... Uh, I'll see how I'm going to handle all this because I can't, I can't just, ooh, we could take a year. 
2020. Amen. The word of the Lord should have a deep appreciation for this. A very deep appreciation for this. And again, I challenge you um, in this new year. We're, we're not just a few days in this new year. If you've never, you know, read the word of the Lord through, you know, try. There's plans out there. But let me tell you something more than making it your objective to read the word of God through in a year. I, rather than doing that, I'd rather you read the word of God consistently each day. And actually digest what you're reading. Okay. You can get in a read through a year plans, and some people are like, man, I got I got five chapters. I'm gonna catch up. I got 15 chapters to read through. And you've not you've not meditated on the word. You've not allowed that to get into your soul and your spirit really contemplated what it said. You're just checking off a box. So please understand my preference. Before you, I'd want you to try to get through a year, I'd rather you just do it consistently daily and being able to internalize and think and ponder about what you've read. There might be someone who says, I've read my Bible every year for five years, and they did micro-machine, you know, to get through it. I'd rather it to get here rather than just pass on your eyes to get here, your heart and mind. Uh, but do it consistently. Do it consistently. And if you do it and you don't skip over the begets, <laughs> uh-oh, hit somebody's button. If you don't skip over the hard parts, you're going to see if you do that consistently, read through your Bible, whether it takes you two, three years to do it or whatever. If you consistently read through your Bible, you're going to start seeing connections from this verse of Scripture over here. It's in the New Testament to this one here. And you're going to see these crossovers start happening. And the pieces of the puzzle start coming together the more that you acquaint yourself. It is just amazing. It really is. Uh, you know, this is my life. And I'm still, every time I pick it up and I read the pages of the Word of the Lord, I'm just so amazed. So amazed or reminded of things that I was amazed of before. And it's like, wow, this is the very word of God. You say, well, you know what? I've never heard God in an audible voice. God's never spoke to me. Yes, he has. I've had people say, God's never spoke to me like, God's never spoke to me before. Yeah, yes. He'll speak to you every day if you'll pick it up. Every day. If we bow our heads in this place this morning, Father, I come to you today. God, I am so thankful, Lord, for your word. God, I pray, Jesus, you didn't leave us comfortless. You sent your spirit. But, God, you also, God, inspired men to pen, Lord God, on paper. God, the will, the desire, and the purpose, God, that you had, Lord, for humanity. God, you revealed to us our need of a Savior. Lord, the path and the plan, Lord Jesus, to have him as our own. God, how to live our lives, Lord, after, Lord, conversion. I'm thankful today, God, for your word. God, I pray, oh, Lord, let that word be, Lord, hid in our heart. Help us, God, to be, Lord, proactive, God, about taking it, Lord, and hiding it, Lord Jesus, in our lives. There's joy and rejoicing that come by it. Lord, there is peace, Lord Jesus, that comes with it. God, there is knowledge, Lord, that will keep us, Lord, from stumbling, God, whenever we'll, Lord, avail ourselves of it. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, be with your people, Lord, and help us, God, once again, Lord, to meditate, think, Lord, and internalize the word of the Lord in our lives, God. It is the thing, God, by which our footsteps are ordered and our paths, Lord Jesus, God, are etched in time. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say, amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Come back tonight. Bishop is going to preach tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.